0: Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. And welcome to Bethany Bible Chapel. It's already been a, a great morning for us. We, uh, the kids and I got up and made breakfast for Marlis. And the first time since we've been parents on Mother's Day, the uh, kids made Marlis cry today with their Mother's Day card. So I've told them I'll give them $10 next year if they can make her cry again. <laughs> Because I'm the emotional one in our family, and she's really not, so for them to make her cry is really saying something, so I told them, good job, that's, that's good. That means something, so, um, but you know, it's been a special day, I trust that it has for you as well, and, and we're taking a break in our series in Ephesians, and really want to just uh, spend the morning uh, looking at godly, what it means to be a godly woman, and a godly mother, and really uh, celebrate that, um... We have a mission statement here at Bethany, building strong families, strong lives in Christ, and the role of the mother and a godly woman in the home and here in the church is vital to that happening, and so we want to just take the day and and really celebrate what it means to be a godly woman and a gospel-centered woman. I just think of my own mom as as, uh, I've been preparing to speak this morning on Mother's Day, and uh, some of the memories that I have of um, my mom's impact on, on my life, um, my, my earliest memory of my mom that I can think of um, was when I was probably three or four years old and my older sister and I were up in, uh, we had a two-story home and we were up in, I don't remember if we shared a bedroom or if, I don't remember how many bedrooms this home was. We, don't, we didn't live there very long. It was over in Waterloo on Poplar Street. And we were upstairs in our bedroom. It was early on a weekday morning because I remember my dad wasn't there. And my mom came up to help us get dressed or whatever. And we're in the bedroom and my mom is helping me. And my sister's playing with the doorknob. And if you remember on older homes back then, the doorknobs had like a square like shaft running through the doorknob. And then there was a set screw on the other side that clamped the doorknob on. My sister's playing with the doorknob. And jerked it off, and here we all three of us were in this bedroom, and I don't know why my mom couldn't get us out of there, but she couldn't, and we were locked in there. And this is before cell phones or anything like that, so we were just up there. And um, I remember, mom, it was winter time, and she opened the window, and there's a there's a sweet older couple. He was a Presbyterian pastor. I think his name was um um Har- his last name was Harvey. And her name was Bernice. And Bernice came out. She had her hair up in curlers and stuff. And she came out to take the trash out to the street. And my mom's waving at Bernice. And I remember just like, this was our one, we were stranded on an island, and this was our one hope. And Bernice just sweetly just waved back at my mom, <laughs> went back inside. And, and we, were, we were really stuck up there. And I, I don't remember, eventually she did get their attention. Harvey's were the only ones home, I think. And she eventually somehow got their attention. Thankfully, I think the doors were unlocked downstairs and they came up and were able to get us out of there. But I don't ever remember being um, scared during that time. It's not a scary thought because your mom's with you. And, and just the love, um, that just the constant love and reassurance of a mother's impact on her children's life is so special. Um, moms, what you bring to um, the home is security for your children, and even in times where I'm sure for my mom it was a panic, but for us it was kind of fun. You know, we just up there and with our mom. What more could we? What more would we need? And and so I'm thankful for the impact my mom had on um, my life. I, I think about um, later on just how often she would go to the Proverbs. The Proverbs were the go-to book for. Uh, my mom, in shepherding us and would just read the proverbs daily the, the date, whatever date it was, and, and open up the Bible to that date and read the proverbs to us and just practical wisdom and then later on in, in my teen years, just not Dad was pretty easy to fool, but mom was not easy to fool and just just um, she was attentive to um, where we were, my mom had a verse in Proverbs that was our least favorite verse as kids, and that was "Know well the condition of your flock." And mom would quote that to us often as an excuse of why she was still in her room at two in the morning, like dealing with issues. and And she'd say, "I need to know. I need to know where you're at with the Lord. I need to know where you're at in your life." and And that was important to her. And it is been looking back on it, it was super impactful in in my own life and then later on as i left home just just the the prayer and just the support of a godly mother and and so this is uh i just share that to just say in my own life the impact uh, that a godly mother had on me um at the time probably really wasn't that special but looking back on it, it was it was majorly impactful in my life i i've i love this quote by uh, John MacArthur, it says, To be a mother is by no means second class. Men have authority in the home, but the women have the influence. The mother more than the father is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day one. And I can just, I can just speak from experience there that that was true, true in, my, in my life. Um, I, would just, I would just stop and just say that as we, as we look at what it means to be a godly woman and, and a godly mother and, and have an impact... In in as as you as women look to have an impact in your world. Um apart from Jesus Christ, um, outside of just being a loving person, there's really no impact that you can have. Um the the work that Jesus Christ does in your life will be the strength and the power to give you that impact. I love what Paul says uh in, in talking about foundations in Corinthians, he says, uh for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And, and Paul is, is talking here, and he, and he says that the, the foundation, we think of building something, we often think of building our own foundation. But here Paul says the foundation has been built, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And the reality is that each one of you are building on something, but there's only one foundation that is worthwhile to build on, and that's the foundation of Jesus Christ, and so my, my encouragement to you this morning is if you want to have lasting impact that's generational, that that's, um, has eternal, of, a, of eternal importance, that you would, would build your life, women, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he would be the foundation of which you choose to build your days and your hours and your relationships, build them on that foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Turn, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll be looking at an Old Testament passage this morning. I want to talk this morning just about the mission field that you women have in your homes. The mission field that you have in your homes 2 Kings chapter 4, follow along with me, it's, it's somewhat of a lengthy passage, we're going to read down to 37, just, um, but I, this is important to read together, so just to, we're going to read the entire account here from verses 8 through 37 of Second Kings chapter 4. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your main servant. But the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother, and he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she had cu- came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, Did I, not ask, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in and fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and then she picked up her son and went out. Let's just pray and ask God to bless our time in his word this morning heavenly father i thank you uh, for this account god i thank you for the godly women in our lives that have impacted us with the truth of your word god i pray i just pray for the women here today that they would be encouraged to be missional in their homes to see their homes as a mission field for the world around them god That you would open up their eyes to the harvest that lies within even those four walls that they make a home. God, that they would take your word and your spirit and share it with their children, with their neighbors, with those in the church for your glory. God, I just pray that this time that we spend together would be just a rich encouragement this morning to the women here in our body, I pray in Jesus' name amen okay so the the first um, encouragement I have for you this morning I feel like some I feel like some Mother's Day messages are are, are somewhat of a uh, just relax and 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 just enjoy uh, the encouragement today it's a little bit more of a challenge um, but I do that with with great respect and appreciation for the role that God has has called you to but the first uh, thing that I would like you to consider this morning is Is the mission field of hospitality in your home? We see here in these first couple verses, verses 8 through 10, the Shunammite woman uh, just being burdened to care for this man of God through hospitality. It says in verse 8 that she persuaded him to eat some food, and it must have been good because he traveled back by through there again, and she persuades him to eat again, and, and it becomes a regular occurrence where he finds his way. Uh, on his way to Mount Carmel, finds his way through the village of of Shunem and and stays with them and eats a meal. And then this woman comes to her husband and um, verse nine, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10, please let us make a small upper room on the wall. How many of you guys, just a show of hands, have had your wife come to you with stuff like this, right? And it's like, oh my goodness. And, um, if this, this is probably like the first occurrence of uh, Pinterest in the Bible where she has some ideas. And she comes to her husband and says, let's make this little guest room. And so they do. They, they make this room on the wall on the, of the top of their house. And, and just look at the care that she puts into this. Um, she says, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Just the availability of hospitality, having a room. She is preparing a place that will be just set aside so that as the Lord gives opportunity, she is ready to serve the people of God. And so she is burdened for this ministry and asks her husband to help her, and he does. And, and so they, they do. They, they apparently build this little room and... Uh, host this, this man of God, and, and um, it becomes a regular uh, occurrence for Elisha and his servant Gehazi to stop and, and stay in this, in this room. And, and you think about uh, a man like that that probably stayed in caves and, and, and was, was kind of on the run, and just what, a, what an encouragement and a blessing it was to keep him going for what God had called him to, to come to just a quiet place where he could study and prepare and rest I would just say um, to you, uh, as you consider the service of hospitality, to start somewhere. You know, she didn't start. The Shunammite woman didn't start with the upper room. She started by being willing to share a supper, and then it kind of built from there. But she—it started out of a heart of willingness to use whatever food they had uh, and share it with others. I love this quote from Isaac Williams uh, saying he said one time I was listening to a message he was preaching on uh, hospitality and he said if you don't practice hospitality in the trailer house you won't practice it in a big house and that is so true if you just don't open up what you have now um, waiting it's it's much like giving if you don't give when you have a little bit you're not going to give when you have a lot the 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 service of hospitality comes from humility and and just a willingness to just share what you have with others. I think of um, uh, when Marlis and I first got married and uh, we had a family over. um, Actually, a few of the guys are here, David and Mark. It was Steve and Debbie Bell, Doug and Jan's daughter and son-in-law, and we had them over for a meal. It might, might, might have been one of the first meals we had after we got married where we hosted somebody. And it was very stressful, you know, you're getting ready. And and about 10 minutes before we got there, I got extremely stressed that we did not have near enough food. And I think we were having, Marla, were we having spaghetti. Do you remember? I think we were having spaghetti. And she ended up making up a bunch of mashed potatoes. And I remember Steve is sitting there, we're eating, and he's like, hmm, I've never had mashed potatoes with spaghetti before. But I was just worried. I was worried that we were going to run out of food. And so like 10 minutes before we got there, we just started cutting up potatoes and because and, and, we didn't want to run out, you know. And, and so hospitality, is it, is it is vulnerable to open up your home and just share what you have. And sometimes you run out of food and you have mashed potatoes with spaghetti. But, you know, it's a, it's a memory that Marlis and I have of learning. It's a learned art just to have people in your home and make them feel welcome and comfortable and loved. Um. 1 Timothy 5.10, Paul's talking to Timothy about which widows to accept into the number. And it's interesting, just listen to the qualities of, of really God's expectation for a godly woman. It says that she should be well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, so here's just describing a woman that is just opening up her home uh, to the saints, to strangers, um, and that, that's important to God. God sees that. Women, when you open your homes and serve a meal, it doesn't have to be a fancy meal, but you serve a meal in, in Christ's name, uh, God sees that, and it's an expectation here, even as Paul is, is elevating what it really means to be a godly woman, he says this is, even affects whether or not they would be accepted into this number where they would be cared for by the church is, is an evaluation. Is this woman practicing hospitality? That's an expectation that God has for you. Hospitality is service with no expectation for anything in return. When, when Marlos and I have you into our home, we're not expecting an invite back. Now we want to come to your home. It's not like we, we just wanna have people over and never go to your house. But hospitality is not, I'll have you over if you have me over. Hospitality is just, you're just, you want to bless them because you want to uh, glorify God. You wanna use, you, this, this is what the Lord has given us. Um, how could I hold this back from, from you? And so hospitality is service with no expectation for anything in return. This got tested one time. I remember, this is, a, this is if you ask any of my brothers or sisters, they'll remember this. Um, we had a family in our home when we were growing up. And they, were, they stayed the afternoon. I think we had lunch with them. And then they kept staying. And they kept staying. And my mom put some pizzas in the oven. And they had something to get to. And they were just about done. And we were ready to eat pizza because this was, I think, the second meal of the day. And, and I remember them uh, saying, you know what? We got to run to something. Could you just put those in a bag for us? And my mom just just wasn't, even a, just wasn't even a second thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she went and got some Ziploc bags. And for years, it was like a running family joke, you know, just of, that, you know, oh, my goodness, we got a to-go bag for, for our guests, you know. But, but that was, um, that's, that's hospitality, yeah, we can put it in a bag for you. Um, that's That the, yes, what we have is yours and it is to be shared. That's a Christ-like attitude. And women, you can make people feel at home and loved and valued or you can make them feel, feel on edge or nervous. And, and as men, we can invite over. But women, you're really the ones that put people at ease and, and love them and make them feel wanted and valued. Um, it's also a great uh, opportunity to open up our homes to the lost. I remember James Gosen preaching a message here many years ago, and I've just remembered this quote from his message for years. I just think it's incredible, but he said, the most underused tool for the gospel in America is the dining room table. And just opening up your dining room table for the gospel, invite unsaved people into your home, and maybe don't even open up the Bible. Just invite them in your home and feed them. Allow them to see what a godly home looks like. Allow them to read the verses that you 've put on the wall. Pray before you eat and allow them to just see what what loving your wife looks like and as a wife what what uh, respecting your husband and and ch- children living in order that that'll speak that 'll speak for itself. Uh, just invite people into your home, there's an there's a, there's a email signature for some uh, one of the guys that we do work for here in town and he owns uh, many hotels. And I wanna read part of this to you because even the world understands the hospitality business. Listen to this email signature from somebody who's in the hospitality industry. A customer is the mo- most important visitor on our premises. He is not dependent on us, we are dependent on him. He is not an interruption of our work. He is the purpose of it. He is not an outsider to the, our business. He is a part of it. We are not doing him a favor by serving him. He is doing us a favor by giving us the opportunity to do so. I love that. And that, that's, that's, coming from, that's just coming from a sheer business understanding of hospitality. But just think about that in our own lives as we're using our homes for the gospel and being missional in in our service and in our hospitality, that we're not viewing these people that come into our homes as an inconvenience, but as, no, this is the whole reason that we have this home, is to share it with others and to use it for the glory of God. Um, I would encourage you to even have people over that make you feel awkward or maybe you're at odds with. Um, listen to Christ's words here in Luke. Um, I don't know if I have time to read all of this, but this is, Um, him just talking about loving your enemies. But he says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back." But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. You see, when we demonstrate that kind of love and hospitality, we're really showing the world who Christ is. That's why he's saying love like that. He says, that's how your father loves. He's merciful to those that are unthankful. We have a world that is unthankful for for what Christ did on the cross. You see that as you're out sharing the gospel. They're unthankful, and yet God continues to extend that offer of salvation to all. That's that's the kind of love the Father has. And so as we open up our homes and, and even have people over that maybe make you feel awkward or maybe you're at odds with them, demonstrate Christ's love to them by opening up your home. Of course, you're gonna have friends over that you wanna hang out with. Jesus says, of course you would wanna do that. Even the world does that. The call here is even greater than that to have people in your home that, that make you feel um, at odds um, demonstrate christ 's love I, I just, i'm for i 'm um, thankful for Marlis and i don 't want to put her on the spot here, but i 'm thankful for Marlis and her willingness to allow uh, us as a family to practice hospitality. Often, I will call her on the way home from from work, and just sometimes I remember to call her. Sometimes people just show up, but um, and just say, "Hey, so and so's are coming over tonight," or "Can we have so and so over this weekend for the weekend?" Or uh, I just found out somebody's in town. Can we can we can we have them over? Um, can we take somebody a meal? Uh, and it's always met with willingness because it's something as a couple that we're both passionate about. And this, this man in this story with the Shunammite woman, I'm not sure how passionate he was about this hospitality, to be honest with you. He's kind of absent here. And so just as an encouragement to you women, if your husband's kind of not getting with the program, there's still opportunity for you to show love. Um, but, but husbands, don't hold your wife back here. Um, and wives, don't hold your husband back as he wants to do ministry through your home Serve together, it's a beautiful thing to serve the body of Christ, to, to evangelize the lost, to encourage those that are in the ministry like Elisha that are traveling through and discouraged and just give them a meal and just allow them to relax and, and, and just bless them. That's an encouragement. You're, you're sharing in their ministry. The second thing that I would like to encourage you with is contentment. Look at verses 11 through 17. Elisha is laying down in this bed, and you just get the picture. He's like got his hands back on the pillow, just enjoying the room that has been made for him. And he's like, what have we done to say thank you to this woman? It's like, he's like, go call her and ask her what we can do. And, and she says, nothing. I age well among my own people. And just this idea of just, she is just content. You know, and I think if she wouldn't have been content, he probably wouldn't have even been there to ask the question. If she would have been spending her time wishing she had a bigger house or wishing she would have had children and just dwelled on that, maybe the man of God, the only man alive, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that could give her a son and do this miracle wouldn't have been within her own house. See, her contentment was the thing that allowed this man to come into her life. And I would just encourage you that... Discontent is the gateway to disobedience. Okay, discontent is the gateway to disobedience. You start to allow your heart to dwell on the things that you don't have, you'll become discontent. And the next logical step after discontentment is disobedience. It's as old as the garden in the, in the original sin where they were given every tree in the garden to eat. And what did, what did Satan tempt Adam and Eve with, with the one thing that they couldn't have. Just fear, discontent, run from it. It is really the first uh, level of sin is to have a heart that is set on things that God has not allowed into your life. And uh, understand that God is the one that is the supplier is the one that claims responsibility as the provider. And so when we say, I wish I had a bigger house so we could practice hospitality or I wish I had, what you're really saying is God did not give me what I needed to love you the way he wants you loved. God really hasn't supplied all my needs in Christ Jesus. I don't really have what I know you need, but, but God hasn't provided it to me. It's really an accusation against what the Lord, Lord does. So when you shut up your home, when you shut up your, your heart to the people God's placed in your life to love, and, and you allow discontent to creep in and say, I'll wait till the right time. I'll wait till uh, things are more obvious. Um, you're, really, you're really doubting the goodness and in, in the, in the provision that God has given each of you uniquely to do, you know, who knows? Your, your messy home might be the greatest encouragement to somebody that comes over, okay? It's not about perfection. It may be that they need to see the mess to be encouraged. God knows. God supplies and provides, and it's, and it's our duty to listen to his spirit's call and, and open up our lives to, to allow him to love others through us. The last thing we see here is just the mission field of children, mission field of children. And, and women, you have a unique role here in spending most of the time with the kids in the home, getting them dressed, getting them to school, teaching them, teaching them manners. Um, as us guys are off providing, you are with them 24-7. And just a few observations here uh, in verses 18 through 37, just the, the majority of this passage dealing with the Shunammite woman, and the son that was given to her. Just a few observations. Children are a gift from God. Psalm 139, precious verses, says, For you are formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Ecclesiastes 11.5, As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. I can't help but think just of, of what's going on in, in, in current events right now as our country discusses Roe versus Wade and the uh, seeming hatred by some for uh The life of a baby is uh, hard to understand where that comes from. But I think it really stems from a hatred of God because God's the one that takes responsibility as the author of life. He's the one that says, "I I formed you in your mother's womb. You are a unique creation by the hand of the almighty creator God. And moms, you have a unique role in that as as your womb is God's uh, canvas, so to speak, as he forms uh, those little lives and uh, just would just publicly just say that just as a church, we need to pray for the end of abortion in our country. Just that that is a, uh, just a shaking of our fist at the creator of life and that just as a church, that we would be praying that God would would rescue us from our sin and give us a heart uh, to turn back towards Him and to value His creation within the womb, and so uh even in this account with the Shunammite woman, the Lord takes responsibility uh for the life of this little boy that is born to them, and it's no accident, Elisha predicts it, her husband is old, apparently they're not able to have kids, they've never had any kids, and she conceives at the appointed time in the next year, she embraces a son, God follows through on what he said he was gonna do, and provides for them a son. The second observation is there's no guarantee when we love with God's love that our hearts will not be broken. There's no guarantee when, when God asks us to, to love uh, our hearts will not be there's no guarantee that you aren't going to have a broken heart, and you see that a little bit with this woman when she says, I'd rather just not have a child than have the hope of having a child and, and, and not have it, God. So, so, should like, don't, don't, I'm, I'm content where I'm at, don't ruin my spirit and give me a hope that can't be fulfilled. And um, it is painful to open up your heart to be vulnerable to love. And and especially with children, we just love them so much as God gives them to us as gifts, but it's not guaranteed to us. Happiness is not guaranteed. Look at um, Job and his wife as they lost all of their kids on one day. And Job's response was, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord gave him children, the Lord gave him everything he had, and the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord, the commitment to bless God, to worship him, uh, regardless of the circumstances, the commitment to love others, and not withhold that love to protect our hearts. We just need to open our hearts up, obey God, and, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable to love and Job goes on to say to his wife after she comes to him and says, she's, she's ready to push, push it all to the mill and just throw in the towel. And, and, and he says to her, shall we indeed accept good from God and shall not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Just again, just understanding that God is sovereign. What he allows into our, into our lives, into our homes, and even in this story where God allowed this woman to have a son become sick and die, and be taken from her, that God was sovereign over that and had a plan in it. There's also just the urgency of spiritual care. You know, after she, um, after she found out that he was sick and she, she held him on her lap until he passed away, and her first uh, response was to go to the man of God. And just the urgency for you moms with the spiritual care for your kids to go to God with your children, and to intercede for them. Proverbs 27, just a few Proverbs here that talk about just a mother's spiritual uh, input into a child's life. Proverbs 27, 23 through 24, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Again, this is my mom's favorite verse, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Just the idea that it's not guaranteed. Mothers, if you're not pouring in, it's just not an automatic You need to know well the condition of your flock. My son, hear the instruction of your your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Psalm 145, three and four, I love this because it just talks about just the generational impact of uh, the gospel as it's proclaimed in the home Deuteronomy 6 says the same idea. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Moms, do that in your home. Declare God's greatness from one generation to another. Grandmothers, do that with your grandkids. Declare God's goodness and greatness. Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Have spiritual impact, have spiritual dialogue, Christ-honoring dialogues with your kids. Talk to your kids about what they're reading in Scripture. Um, interact with them. The other, another observation is, is just her calm faith during deep distress. This woman is greatly distressed, but just her calm faith, and just an, even when she says to her husband, it is well, and she says the same thing to Elisha's servant Gehazi, just it is well. She was trusting over, overall She was trusting in the goodness of God. And and there's a a calm, even in the middle of the storm, of just trusting in the goodness of God. And and it's very obvious that this woman had that because she had laid everything out for the Lord. Um, I love love her response to Elisha, I will not leave you. Uh, Again, same as Job, commit to God no matter what. Unconditional love for Jesus unconditional intercession for your kids. Moms, your kids will go through phases where they're not close to Christ. I hope that doesn't happen, but for many of you, it does. Unconditionally intercede for them. God, I will not leave you as it relates to my son or my daughter. I will not leave you. I will continue to bring this son or daughter to you, praying, crying out for uh, you to get a hold of their life, for you to speak to their heart. Take advantage of of your own relationship, moms, with Christ to to intercede for even kids that are not walking with the Lord. I love the uh, words of Elisha to uh, the Shunammite woman down here in verse 36. Pick up your son. Just uh, words of hope. Um, praise God for the resurrection. I know there are some of you moms today that to Mother's Day is is not an easy day. And the hope of the resurrection is a precious thing. Hebrews 11.35, I think, speaks directly to this woman. As it says, women received their dead, raised back to life. There are only a few women in the New Old Testament that did that, and both of them were um, Actually, ironically, were Elisha and Elijah that were the ones that raised them back to life. Uh, But women received their dead raised back to life. Jesus said to Mary and Martha as they were grieving the loss of their brother Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And those precious words of of David that give us hope um, as he was grieving the loss of his infant son, and his servants were asking him, why, why are you anointing your head now? Why, why aren't you weeping more? He's passed away. David had been fasting and praying for his son as he was sick. And, and then when he passed away, David says, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. 2 Samuel 12, 23. There is a calm assurance in the resurrection of the dead. And praise God for that, that someday Uh, those of you who have sons or daughters waiting for you, that you'll hear those words. Pick up your son, pick up your daughter. Praise God for that. There is Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Praise God for the resurrection. And even though this son was raised and resuscitated, raised to life, he died again someday. We don't know when, but he, he passed away. But the resurrection that we celebrate and look forward to, there will be no more death. There will no, be no more separation. It will be eternal. And so celebrate that and, and comfort one another with those words. And the last thing here before we close is just worship first. Be a mom second. You know, the first reaction as she, as she hears that her son is, is raised to life is she falls at the feet of the prophet. And I don't think she was worshiping Elisha, but just worshiping the God of Elisha and worships and then picks up her son. And I just encourage you in the busyness of being a mom, in the busyness of practicing hospitality and all that's asked of you and all that's on your plate, that you worship first, even if it's for 30 seconds, that you just worship first and be a mom second. Just a word of warning. The wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one pulls it down with her hands. Proverbs fourteen one. you have within Your grasp, your own home, women, and you have the opportunity to to build it up uh, as a wise woman and and impact uh, the world around you generationally uh, for the gospel and for good things, or you have the opportunity to pull it down with your own hands. Just before we close, I just want to I want to read short just real quickly uh, just a few verses in Exodus seventeen eight because I think this is this is really demonstrates well uh, the role of a woman in the home supporting uh, the work of God and how vital and crucial it is. You know the story of the people of Israel leaving Egypt and they're going out and they're not out of there long and a uh, Amalekite king. Uh, comes to make war with them, and they're not ready really to do battle, and it's a very vulnerable time. And Moses sends Joshua with the people to go out to do battle, and him and Aaron and this man named Hur go up on the mountain and observe the battle. And it says, the Bible says that as Moses stood on the mountain, that he raised his arm with his staff, and when he raised his arms, the uh, battle was victorious for the Israelites. But when he dropped his arms, the Amalekites began to prevail. And so Moses decides to keep his hands up. So he keeps his hands up and his arms become tired. And so Aaron and Hur get this stone out and they roll this stone over and so that Moses can still see the people and they get him up on this stone. And then, then Aaron stands on one side and Hur on the other and hold the arms of Moses up in the air so that uh, the Lord can get the victory for the people of Israel. And as I think about the mission that God has called you to in the home. I think that is a really good picture of what is going on there. There is a battle that we're all fighting. Joshua is out here, Moses is observing here, and then you have Aaron and her standing on either side supporting, and each one plays a part in the battle. And the role of supporting the arms of Moses as he was holding that staff were vital to the victory of the people of God. And, and, and women, moms, moms, your role in the home of supporting this church and supporting this community is vital to the victory of the people of God here embrace the mission it has unending potential and my prayer for you is that you see see that potential you know this woman is nameless she's never we don't know her name but she's forever famous in a way for being a woman committed to hospitality and a godly Godly mom, serve in contentment. Pour Christ into your children. I just wanna, before we close, I just wanna read, um, I, I was looking at this song this morning, just, this is an old song from the, probably the 80s by Steve Green called The Mission. And I wanna read the chorus and then we're gonna close in prayer. To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission. The spring from which our service overflows. Across the street or around the world, the mission's still the same proclaim and live the truth in Jesus name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God may we all, men and women alike, get the heartbeat of that mission across the street, around the world. God, the mission's the same that we would proclaim as as husbands and wives, dads and moms, and especially God, I pray for the women here in our body that you would burden their hearts the mission of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would open their doors and their dining room tables, and that they would open their hearts to their children and teach them of you. Lord, thank you for the role of the women that you've placed in our lives. Thank you for the women represented here at Bethany, the godly examples that our younger women have to look up to, and just the service that goes on, the love, Christ, that you extend to us all through the women here in our body. We, we praise you for it and thank you for it.